Welcome to Season 5 of the HSCT Warriors Podcast, bringing voice to the journeys of HSCT Warriors Worldwide. I'm Dr. Jen Stansberry Koenig, or Zen Jen, moderator of meaningful conversations and convener of community. I continue to find so much gratitude for all the warriors willing to share their stories with us. And so whether you are or know someone who is battling multiple sclerosis, type 1 diabetes, scleroderma, lupus, or any of the multiple autoimmune diseases that HSCT can halt, or are simply inspired by transformational journeys, you're in the right place. As we continue to grow, the HSCT Warrior Community illuminate the invisibilities of autoimmune disease, recognize the possibilities of a future free from disease progression, connect through our shared experiences, and advocate for an inclusive society. I'm so glad you've joined us. Hi, Felicia. Hi, Jen. How are you? I'm so excited to learn more about your journey. So why don't you tell us how you came to find HSCT or even begin with your diagnosis story? Um, I guess I can start with my diagnosis story since that's kind of where everything began. So really what brought me to my diagnosis of multiple sclerosis, um, it happened very quickly, but also if it makes sense, um, it took many years to get an actual diagnosis. It does make sense. Um, Over a span of about 10 days, um, I had started noticing my vision was getting a little bit blurry at work, um, I was having a lot of like muscle spasms in in my legs and just kind of like really odd things were happening. But also at the same time, I was under a tremendous amount of stress. I was in the middle of a very nasty divorce, child custody battle. I mean, I was just overwhelmed um, and had a lot going on. So And stress is, yeah, it's such a trigger. It is. And so I, I kind of just chalked things up to, to stress and poor sleeping um, habits. And then, you know, I really just wasn't taking care of myself um, in those ways as far as like getting enough rest and, and stuff like that. And so I was just like, okay, drink more water, get more sleep. Maybe that'll help, you know, with, with the, the spasms. I was like, maybe I'm just dehydrated with the vision. I was like, it's probably just because I need to sleep more. But progressively over the span of 10 days, my vision went from just getting a little bit blurry to like having to rub my eyes, looking at my computer screen at work to the point where it was at this point was in the hospital um, it was so blurry and also doubled that I couldn't see anything unless it was right in front of my face. And, and even if it was right in front of my face, it was it was doubled. It progressed very fast. Sure. Um, How did that even feel? It was terrifying. So I just was not sure really what was going on. Um, but then also I started getting really weak as well. And at that time, I had started doing CrossFit. And I went into CrossFit one night. And um, I realized I could not do the jump rope. 
and it, I just, it was another one of those things, like I kind of laughed it off and I was like, oh my gosh, I've had a really rough day. Like my brain is just not functioning. Like I just cannot even jump and like do this jump rope. And I didn't think much about it. But then after the class, I had gone um, with a friend. And after the class, uh, when she dropped me off, we were laughing. I mean, like, I was laughing so hard. I was crying because my legs were so, like, weak. They were, you know, like jello. And we were just laughing, thinking, like, I had just worked out. I just pushed it too hard, you know. And so we were kind of, like, laughing about it. But I was struggling to, like, even, like, walk. Like, I just, my legs were so weak. And so it, that happened. Isn't it interesting how, like, how we create these stories and help ourselves work through it? Yeah, yeah. So I... Just kind of like another thing, I just kind of was like, oh, okay, just pushed myself too hard, you know, um, laughed it off, went to sleep. I woke up the next day, you know, my vision was still blurry. I was noticing it was still getting a little bit worse, um, but I was still able to function. And, you know, with everything going on, I just was like pushing myself and I wasn't really letting anything worry me too much. It was just kind of like, "Mm, this is annoying, but no big deal. You have to power Um, through. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, had been hanging out with a friend and I needed to drive them home. So I was driving and hadn't realized that my peripheral vision was gone. Um, and I, I was actually driving, luckily, very slowly um, down a street, and I, I hit a parked car. And, you know, at that point realized, okay, something, something is not right um, because I had totally thought that there was, you know, enough distance. I was nowhere near this car. That's you know, so, and so scary. That, yeah, so that was the first moment that I was like, oh my goodness, there's something that is, is happening. Um, and then after that, like immediately after that, I went uh, to a gas station to to get some gas and I pulled in as I always do and was being very careful because I was like, something is, is going on. Um, and I, my depth perception and peripheral was off again and I actually hit, um, you know, the yellow concrete, um, like the poles that they have oh, at the yeah, gas station. Yeah. yeah. I hit one of those. I mean, not Ouch. hard and there was no damage done, but that was the point where I realized, okay, there is something happening. Sure. Like I couldn't, I didn't know what it was. Like I couldn't figure out why, I, what I thought in my head I was seeing, but I, I wasn't. Um, so I actually took myself to the hospital, um, that evening. I took myself to my local hospital, um, to the ER and I told them my symptoms, you know, I was, I was having, um, some vision issues and they, you know, at that point too, um, I had also started to just kind of feel a little bit dizzy. Um, and I told them that as well. And they were just like, oh, it's vertigo. 
we're going to give you some antihistamines. You just need to kind of sleep it off, take this medication. You'll, you'll feel fine. You know, it's not anything really to worry about. It can happen. And I was like, okay, you know, should I not get an MRI or anything done? And, and the doctor, he actually told me, he was like, well, I don't feel that it's, it's necessary to put you through that radiation, you know, when you're so young and it's, the risk is not worth it. And I was just like, well, um, I'm kind of concerned, but if you don't feel there's an issue, okay. So that's so interesting. An MRI doesn't have radiation. That's magnetics. Exactly. So I was really just very confused. And so I left and I got home and I I went to sleep. And the next day, um, I woke up and I had to go to work. And I, that was the day where I realized kind of everything was really getting very bad very quickly. I woke up and I was very dizzy. Um, My vision was extremely blurry and I was like, you know what? I can't drive. Like I, with everything that happened yesterday, I cannot drive. So I had a friend who wasn't working um, and she was able to come pick me up and drop me off at work. And then she brought me home after work. But while I was at work, I was struggling. I was working in the dental field and I noticed that I could not even talk to patients. I wasn't even able to have like a a conversation with them. Mm. Like the words, what I was trying to say, they just weren't coming to my mind. I was very dizzy. Um, Everybody started commenting on my eyes. They were like, you know, your eyes just look a little bit off, you know, and everyone was like, are you okay? Um, I'd gone back to the break room and I was just kind of standing and leaning against the door and I was not moving and I started falling over Mm. because I was so dizzy. And then I realized like my balance just was off. So I called my primary care doctor and I made an appointment and they, they weren't able to get me in that, that day, but they were able to get me in the next day. And at that point I was kind of starting to, feel the nervousness and like a little anxiety and panic, like what, you know, what is happening? Of course. And, uh, so I got up and I was very lucky that I had a friend and she did not have to work at all that day. Um, because I ended up needing her and like, so she came and she picked me up. She took me to the doctors. I went in and at that point, everything was, was even worse with my vision, um, my weakness, my just everything. Like I, I was so confused feeling there was just so much going on and I was very emotional and I just looked at my doctor and she's been my doctor for like the last five years. And I was just like, there is something that is is happening that's not right and I was like I went to the emergency room and they said it's vertigo I'm taking these this medication it's not doing anything I'm getting worse there's something wrong like you have to help me and she took it very seriously good 
Yes, yes, luckily. And she did like a hearing test and she immediately was like, you know what, if it was vertigo, we we would have seen something with the hearing test because it's with your inner ear. So I don't think it's vertigo. So then she started doing like balance tests and she had me like close my eyes. I believe it's like close my eyes and, and try to lift one foot off the ground. Um, and I was just falling over and I, I hadn't realized, you know, until she was having me do these simple tests, just kind of how bad everything was with my balance and just everything being really off my vision. You know, she, that's when I realized that it was my peripheral vision because she did, um, like a test and she was just like, you know, tell me when you can see my fingers. And it was, I mean, she almost had to be right in front of me before I could see anything. Mm. So that's when we knew that there was something, you know, really kind of major going on. Um, And so she was on top of it. So she called over to a local um, eye doctor office that was right down the street um, that luckily was already my eye doctor um, who had an ophthalmologist in the office as well. She also made an appointment for, um, it was like an ultrasound of my jugular vein to see if I had any blockage that could be causing these symptoms to happen. So I I went um, to the ophthalmologist. He looked in my eyes and he was like, there's definitely something going on, some kind of pressure. So that was all that they needed in order to get my insurance to do an MRI. So I had an MRI done. And then the next morning was when I was scheduled for that ultrasound. So I got up and I was driven, had the ultrasound done. I got home and no sooner that I got, you know, had like laid back down in bed, my doctor called and she was like, are you sitting down? Are you, you know, in a safe place? And I was like, yeah, why? Like, what's going on? You know, she was like, you know, there is a a very large, she was like, we're going to call it, um, you know, a lesion or a possible mass of some sort that showed up in your brain scan. We, I've already called, you know, uh, OSU, which is in Columbus, and it's, they're waiting on you. Go ahead, and you need to probably pack a bag for a few days in case you're admitted to kind of run some tests and see what's going on. She's like, but you need to go ahead and, and have somebody take you down there. So I I called a friend and I told her, you know, what was going on because she knew, you know, that I had just not been doing good and had been kind of running back and forth to all these doctor appointments and and stuff. And I called and I told her and I was just like very calm about it. So I get to OSU that night and it was kind of very immediate how things happen. So I almost have like parts of it where I don't quite remember because at that point I was exhausted. I bet. Um, But we get there and immediately it was kind of like blood testing. I had a couple different doctors come in and then they were like, okay, we need to do a lumbar puncture. So of course I, that scared me. I was terrified. I was like, you know, thinking the worst case scenario. Of course. Um, I've still never, I've still never had one. 
Oh my gosh. So I, I was terrified, but I was like, you know what? Like got this. And so they did that. Um, and then it was kind of just like a waiting game. Um, and then, uh, they, they came back in and they were like, okay, we want to do a better MRI um, and we want to get your, you know, your brain and your entire spine. And um, they're like, it's it's going to be, you know, quite a few hours in the machine. Yeah. So, you know, here we can give you a sedative if you want. And I was just like, you know, yes, let's go ahead and do that. Um, so they gave me a sedative, went back and. Um, did the MRI. I fell asleep in the machine from the sedative. I have no idea how long it took. Um, I know it was, I know it was quite a few hours, but when I came out of it and the nurses or the techs, when they woke me up, they were like, okay, go ahead and sit up slowly and swing your legs over to the side. And, and so I realized I was like, like struggling to sit up and I was thinking it was just like the sedative, you know, I was kind of groggy. And then when they were like, you know, move your legs, I realized I, I couldn't, I could not, I couldn't move my legs. Like they were so heavy Mm. and numb that I couldn't do that. And I kind of was at that point where everything, that's when it was like at the worst with my vision was sort of when I woke up, everything was super blurry. And then I realized my legs weren't working. So they got me in a wheelchair and got me back to my room. And then once the results came in, um, you know, I just had so many different doctors coming in. I had a team of doctors and like residents since it's like a learning hospital. Um, They came in and they were just like, you know, we believe it's it's multiple sclerosis, but we do need to rule out some other things first just to make sure. But this is, you know, we're like 99% sure that you've got MS. And it was weird how I took the news because I was just sort of like, okay, I knew what MS was, but I didn't really know exactly what it entailed sure Um, or how it manifests and how different it is and yeah yeah I had really no clue I just knew of the disease so they told me and my first thought honestly I was like okay well at least I know I'm not making this stuff up you know all of these crazy symptoms like at least I know I'm not making this up. And then I was like, and also thank goodness it's not like, you know, a brain tumor or cancer or something, you know? So I was like, had this relief and I didn't really have too much fear yet just because at that point I didn't really know too much about MS. Um, but the doctor, he was like, I do not want you to start Googling multiple sclerosis. (laughs) He was like, I don't want you to freak yourself out. He was like, He's like, we will be in, we will, you know, explain everything and, you know, we're here to help you. He's like, just try to stay off the internet. He's like, we really don't want you to get scared, you know. That's amazing though, to have that kind of support Yeah, and to have that kind of immediacy. I mean, not that it's a great thing to have all of this huge flair where people can figure it out right away, but what a great scenario for you to have such support right? Surrounding. Oh yeah. Surrounding Absolutely. That diagnosis. That's phenomenal. 
It is. And it finally started making sense because then I had all sorts of different um, doctors coming in. Um, I had, you know, I met with neurologists. I met with, um, you know, just different like regular medical doctors and stuff. And, and so it was starting to, to all come together piece by piece. All of these different things that I have dealt with for several years, just like randomly. And all these weird, like different diagnosis that would happen. Um, like neuropathy had been one that I had been mm-hmm. diagnosed with and yeah. just different things. And then it all was like, actually those small things are part of a bigger picture and the bigger picture is multiple sclerosis and who knows honestly you know we've we've kind of not been sure exactly how long I've had it but we know for sure for several years um, I did start also seeing a um, neuro ophthalmologist because I, I had so many issues with my eyes and he was able to see that I had some pretty old like scarring and damage from optic neuritis so he was like you know like you've probably been dealing with this for years just not knowing he was like in these little things that would happen that would take you to the doctor you know were probably like little maybe little flares or just you know little issues that were kind of happening but it wasn't anything you know big enough to you know and to have an MRI or anything so so, so yeah, when when it, were you diagnosed what year was that so the first time I heard the words multiple sclerosis was February 20 let's see 2018 wow so yeah and then I got my um like official, they were able to kind of like officially document, diagnose um, as multiple sclerosis um, a couple of months later after all the testing came back. I had seen the ophthalmologist because at first they were kind of just doing like calling it like a CIS, like a, you know, a one-time thing. Sure. Um, yeah. But then once, once they got the definitive with the optic neuritis and then just some other things, they were, they were like, okay, we can officially say multiple sclerosis. So it's actually, um, I've not been diagnosed very long, but I, I started seeing a neurologist, you know, right off the bat. And I, uh, I got started on Rebif, mm. which are injections. So I was doing those, and it did not take very long at all for um, like a, another flare, like a relapse to happen. And all it, it was so disappointing because I, leaving the hospital, um, I had to go through physical therapy, occupational therapy, just to regain the strength back um, with walking and everything. Um, I have no idea exactly how many doses of steroids I had to go through before things kind of really settled down and like my vision, you know, regained some normalcy. I went to the eye doctor. I did have to get like a prescription change to something a little bit stronger, you know, and so then I I was doing the rebuff, relapsed, and it was kind of a hard relapse um, because I'd gotten to the point where I was feeling really good. 
And then I just woke up one morning and my entire left side was numb. Mm. My face, fingertips, my arms, like my, my legs. Um, and I had become weaker on my left side anyway. Um, from my initial kind of diagnosis when everything had happened, my left side was just a little bit weaker and it stayed that way. Yeah. And then that relapse, um, I, it was just super weak. Um, and so I ended up having to start walking with a cane. Um, and did you change your medication at that point? Yes. Yeah, so he took me off the Rebus and we, um, we started on Ocrevus. Um, and so I did the first like full infusion, you know, which is broken up into two parts. So I did that first, um, that first full infusion and I was very hopeful, um, because I started to feel better. However, I was still left with um, a lot of the symptoms that that flare had had caused. So my left leg was, you know, my gait had kind of stayed to where I was not like a limp, but just where I was having to do a little extra work to get my left leg picked up, you know, with the drop foot and everything. Sure. Um, that kind of stayed. I had a little bit of like a droopiness in my face, like my my left side almost looked a little droopy after afterwards. Um, just the strength in my my left arm and my hands was not, um, you know, didn't really come back as strong as it was, and so I didn't exactly bounce back after that one. I kind of, I kind of stayed. Um, I was able to start walking again without a cane, um, because my balance had gotten a little bit better. So I I wasn't relying on that cane, but I was falling a lot Mm -hmm. and I was just so stubborn that I really should have, I really should have kind of used it a lot more than I did. Um, but my stubbornness, I was like, I am going to you know, I don't need it. That sounds very familiar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so with the, the Ocrevus, I did it and I felt great for a couple months. And then I just didn't. And I felt like I was constantly calling or emailing my neurologist. And I was like, I feel like I am a crazy person because all of this stuff is happening. Are these side effects from the medication? Is this my multiple sclerosis? Like, you know, if if I have relapse remitting, why am I not coming back from it? You sure. know, just constantly, you know, having a bunch of questions. And I was just like, I, I can't keep doing this because it was, you know, well, let's try, you know, let's try this medication. Let's, um, Let's do another round of steroids. Let's, you know, let's try and get you sleeping better at night. And maybe during the day you'll feel better. Um, You know, so it was a bunch of kind of playing around with different things to try and help. Yeah. Yeah. A bunch of Band-Aid fixes (laughs) and they weren't fixing anything. So Um, how did you find HSCT? So after. 
after I realized that the okra vest just wasn't really doing it for me like I had hoped, I had seen um, on Facebook, I believe is where I had seen it, but it was Selma Blair and she had, she had either already gone through it or was talking about it, but initially that's how I found out and like first heard about it. And so then I kind of started doing my research and then I started seeing that there were clinical trials in certain areas. Um, and then I kind of just dove into all of like social media resources, Facebook being like the best one. Um, and I found a Facebook group, um, you know, specific for HSCT. And, um, so I joined that and I just started reading through people's stories and their testimonies and, um, there were so many positive ones, you know, and there were some that I read where people were non-responders and it didn't work. And Sure, and that's um, heartbreaking. Yeah, absolutely. And so I just really started doing so much research. Um, I was reaching out to different people. Um, I was asking questions. I just kind of dove into that idea. And then for me personally, I have a very strong faith. So I just, I just really started praying about it too. And I was like, if this is, if this is a path that I need to go down, you know, let's see if it falls into place. You know, if this is, if this is what's meant to be, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to try the process and see. And if it's what's meant to happen, you know, this is what I think, you know, I feel is, is best for me. And so I started um, just making phone calls and kind of finding out different places. And I was hitting so many dead ends and I was kind of losing a little bit of hope. And I was like, you know what, maybe I'm not supposed to do this. Maybe I should just wait and do another round of okra vests you know, and, and see if maybe this next round helps. And, you know, maybe I will try something different, you know, if it doesn't. And, but I just kept pushing and kept trying for HSCT too. And, uh, I found information on Clinica Ruiz. And so I put in my application. Um, and at first I was just, really hesitant because I, I didn't want to have to leave the United States. Sure. I like, so I really would. Yeah. Did you even like, look at the clinical trials in the United States? I did. Um, and I actually talked to several people, several different places and, you know, my information was getting passed along and, and I was, uh, talking to different people and, um, I had gotten really discouraged at first because I had wanted to initially see Dr. Burt. And then once I started making phone calls, I realized he was not actually right now doing this. So that was like my first dead end. And I was like, well, sure. where do I go from here? Like, this was the only place that I knew of, um, you know, at first that was doing it. And so then that's how I found out, you know, more about clinical trials. So I started p putting my information out there. Um, 
but I was having a hard time with some places because they were like, well, unless your neurologist states that you have also failed Ocrevus, we can't take you. Hmm. And also these trials, you don't get to choose if you're going to get HSCT or not. Right. Random assignment. Yeah. They were like, we, we might decide to try and see if, if you work on like a, a different DMD or, you know, it could be a placebo. And I was just like, I don't really want to do that. Like if I'm going to, if I'm going to do this, I want to I want to go for the real deal. Like, I don't want to question this whole time, you know, like, what am I putting in my body or is there even anything happening or, you know, am I wasting my time? So, so I reached out to Clinica Ruiz and, um, they accepted my application and then I just started like corresponding with them. Um, and I just kind of knew that that was, going to be the best option um you know just right off the bat they were very compassionate very caring very understanding of all of my questions and concerns and so I just really started to kind of focus on that at the same time I had still been very hopeful and trying to see another doctor who had been doing HSCT in Cincinnati, Ohio, because I was like, that's only a couple hours away. And then I found out she actually was no longer taking patients because she was going to be going to another uh, facility in Wisconsin. Right. So um, I actually had tracked her down um, after hundreds of phone calls and I tracked her down and I found out that, you know, I could potentially become one of her patients, but the cost out of pocket, going it was estimated and told to me that it would be for me to see her, it would be over $200,000 out of pocket. Wow. Yeah. And so I just, I just, I knew I couldn't do it. And at that point, like this was all happening within just like the last few months. So like COVID had hit too. And so like all of those clinical trial places actually had kind of like shut down some, um, you know, stage shut down. So it was like all of those options, like they just were like, boom, 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 kind of dead ending. And I was like, you know what, then that's definitely not the path that I needed to go down Mm. because it just, it stopped, like it ended. And then, um, it was kind of like down to the wire where it was like, if I can get in and stay in the United States and see this, this doctor, because her protocol is not a clinical trial. Like it's, it's a, I was like, it's either that or or Clinica Ruiz. And I was like, we'll just see. And then when I found out the cost and just also some other things that kind of deterred me from it, I was like, you know, I'm glad that this entire time I kind of stayed moving forward with getting everything ready to go to Mexico, you know, as far as getting a caregiver, getting my passport, working on fundraising, you know, just preparing myself to go to Mexico. And then uh, Clinica Ruiz actually had shut down for a period of time too. 
because of COVID. Right. Um, and they shut down in the month that I was originally supposed to go. Oh, so wow. I was devastated. I mean, I just, I remember finding out and just breaking down and thinking, you know, I've gotten this far and maybe this isn't what I'm supposed to do and kind of just really started questioning everything. Um, but then I realized like, you know what, like this, this is, this is what I am supposed to do. Like, I'm not going to give up, you know, I'm going to just keep moving forward with it. So, um, they did open back up. Um, and I was able to get in into, uh, a month that worked for me, which was August. And so everything kind of just started working, um, and, and working out how it should. Um, my fundraising didn't quite go as planned. I, I only raised like a fifth of the funds to be able to go. So that part, you know, with COVID happening, you know, any kind of events that had been planned, they were all canceled. So that's so hard. Yes, it was it was very, very difficult, really disappointing, you know, and just kind of discouraging too, because I was like, how am I going to, how am I going to do this? But everything worked out with getting a loan, um, and just working out with, with my little brother being able to come with me and be my caretaker. Oh, that's Um, really cool. Yeah. So it just all worked out. So I went to Clinica Ruiz and I had my treatment and that date was August 3rd was the first day that I got there. Um, and I finished up and got home on August 29th. So, yeah, so it's my MS journey and HSCT has just kind of been jam packed and it was very like one after the other. So there was not a whole lot of time in between my diagnosis to pursuing and then actually going through with and getting HSCT. And I'm so glad I did because if I had waited, you know, I, I really, I, I just don't know what would have happened. Um, sure. Well, yeah, it sounds like it was really aggressive to begin with. Yes. So when I got to Clinica Ruiz, like one of um, the things that they do is, you know, they do require that you have some updated MRIs. Um, So I was able to get um, a brain and cervical done um, just, you know, less than I think eight weeks before I went. But it was going to be cheaper for me just to pay out of pocket to have the lumbar and thoracic done in Mexico. So I brought my MRIs with me that I had, and then I got the new ones done there. And then I met with the neurologist there at the clinic. And it was the first time that I had had anybody kind of open up my images with me right there. Yeah, and point out your lesions. And point them out and explain what it was and why, you know, like where it was located in my brain, why I was having the symptoms I was having, um, and just really be very thorough with it. And how did that feel? um, It was such a relief. Like, it just was like, oh, 
thank goodness, you know, like helps explain everything. Yes, it does. And, you know, I, the neurologist that I had had, um, you know, I'm not bashing him in any way, shape or form because he was always very, um, you know, kind to me, but there just was never a time where that was explained to me. And I never saw my images in detail like that. So I actually had no idea really, except for kind of like the notes sections that I would receive, you know, on my MRIs, like about my lesions or like where they were or anything like that. Which is really hard Um, to interpret and doesn't give you any kind of mapping. I definitely wish that like for everybody with MS, you know, that they could have just the experience that I did with having that neurologist kind of explain everything and just, you know, really like helping me to understand different things because I just had symptoms that I was like, is this MS or is this something different? Like uh, difficulties with swallowing, sometimes with slurred speech, um, just with talking in general, you know, even like the tone of my voice sometimes was different. Like I, you know, it's hard to explain, like unless you have MS or unless you've experienced it, but just the most random, just strangest symptoms. And so it was wonderful to have her explain everything and then you know just like go over all of that with me and then you know they did she did some other testing as well because she was trying to determine my EDDS score so when I went in I was thinking you know it's probably really not that bad like at the time I had applied um, I was not doing well so I had just seen my neurologist and you know I was like walking with my cane again and at that point in time I was like a 4.5 and when I got to Mexico you know I had just been feeling better I had also started to change my diet and just do some other things too and so I was like you know I really bet my my score is is probably lower than a 4.5 you know I'm I'm feeling it's probably better and so I was actually super shocked um when after you know very thorough testing and everything my score was a 5.5 and after giving my history and after, you know, she had looked over my MRIs and everything, she was like, you know, truly, I feel that this is actually secondary progressive MS. She's like, you're right. After, you know, you had everything done, she's like, you didn't bounce back. She's like, you've continually, you know, gotten worse. She was like, it's a a slow progression. She was like, but, you know, it's getting worse. She was like, that's not really what relapse remitting is, you know, she, so she explained that to me and it just made so much more sense, you know, and it was kind of like answering all of these questions that I had been asking my neurologist and, you know, SBMS had kind of been talked about a little bit with him, but it was not like changed in my diagnosis or, or anything like that. It, stayed relapse remitting. 
so to kind of hear that after that day, like I was relieved and I was just like, you know, this is exactly where I need to be. But I also remember being really just like emotional that evening because I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I've just been diagnosed and, you know, secondary progressive, like it's, is this going to lower my chance of this treatment, you know, working for me, you know, but so I had a, kind of a, a little bit of a emotional night, you I know, bet. just kind of hearing that. But I also had like the biggest sense of like, I am in the right place at the right time. And I am so glad that I'm here now. And I did not wait because who knows? That you know? is so affirming. So, yeah, I I definitely am just so thankful that everything kind of worked out the way it did. Sure. Um, I, I made it to Mexico, you know, when I did, and I got the treatment, and, you know, I I am already noticing improvements. Um, That's amazing. Even though I've only been, yeah, even though I've only been home for a couple of weeks, and I'm still dealing with the after effects of the treatment itself. So of course, I'm and still, steroids yeah, and all of that. Yeah, like I'm still pretty tired. You know, I'm having a few issues with just like sleeping and stuff. But there are things that I am noticing um, that have improved, like my legs, just with walking, they do not feel so heavy before they, they just were so heavy all the time. Like it was just a struggle just to walk and like walking upstairs, I could walk up, you know, on a good day, if I was able to, to walk up a flight of stairs, by the time I got to the top, they just felt like they weighed like 300 pounds each and it was exhausting. So I've noticed that I have like a, a lightness in my, in my legs. I have not fallen, um, since I've been home. Um, I'm not constantly holding on to a wall or furniture or something, you know, as I'm walking, trying to kind of navigate around, which was just how I was like living for, for several months. Like I just had become like, you know, a wall walker. Like I constantly had to have, you know, my hand on something because I was being so stubborn so much of the time with refusing to use a cane um, that I just was like, if I can navigate around by, you know, having something to kind of help with my balance, you know, that's what I'll do. So sure, I, I've not been doing that as much. I am able to talk a lot better, which is amazing to me because before having a conversation, like even doing this, like it would have been very difficult just because I was struggling so much um, just with talking. I mean, there's been other things like I, I still am having issues with cognitive function, but I also have been told and, and know that, you know, just the chemotherapy aspect too, you know, can kind of cause a little bit of like foggy brain for a little bit. Sure. Um, but for the past couple of years, I've not been able to 
to read, and I was like an avid reader, loved reading, like loved journaling, and I wasn't able to do it anymore because I would either forget, I'd get to the end of the page, and I'd forget what I'd read, or, you know, it would start to hurt my eyes, um, my vision would get blurry, or I just could not concentrate, you know, I just couldn't, I couldn't get into anything I was reading, no matter what it was. I could get my favorite book off the shelf and try to read it. And I was just, I couldn't even do that. So while I was in treatment, I had brought a a book with me and I was like, we'll see, maybe I can read a few pages. Like I'm going to be there for a month. Like I'm, we'll see if I can get through this book in a month and, uh, give me something to do. And I opened it up and this was after, I believe I'd actually finished all of the treatment with like chemo, the chemo and the the harvest and the transplant and then the additional chemo. I believe I was already finished with everything. And uh, I opened the book up and I started reading it and I realized I was remembering everything and my eyes weren't causing me issues. And I ended up reading in the span of like, I think it took like six hours, the entire book. And it was an almost 500 page novel. Wow. That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. So from going, you know, a couple of years without being able to, to read and then in one day I'm reading an entire novel. I just was like, you know, so like that was like my my biggest thing, and <laughs> my brother he was just like <laughs> he's like you need to go to bed, <laughs> <He's> like <laughs> you know because I I had started reading it at like five o'clock, you know, and I was just sitting in the chair and started reading it, and then I would you know we ordered dinner, and I'm eating dinner you know with him, and I'm still reading this book, and I just couldn't put it down. I like I just was the pages were just like turning, and I you know was comprehending everything and I was into the story so much and I couldn't put it down and finally he was like it's he's like it's it's like 11 o'clock you know you you, sh- you need to go to bed we have to get up at 7 30 in the morning <laughs> you know that's so and, great uh, though I'm, to lose yourself yeah. in reading again <laughs> so it uh it just felt really great you know to have that I back and so, yeah yeah so since I've been home you know, that's something that I've been doing is just really reading more and really able to get back into to doing stuff that, you know, I love doing, you know, especially like with my faith and stuff too, really being able to read, you know, my Bible more and do more like devotionals and, and just stuff like that, that, that helps me you know, myself with like just my, my sense of peace and my happiness and calmness and everything, just being able to get through life in general. So that's really brought back so much for me. It's beautiful. It's been amazing and just crazy, you know, like the little things that you take for granted and you don't maybe realize that you've lost or have gotten really hard to do and then suddenly you're able to do them again and you're like wow that's amazing you know I didn't even realize that I had lost that or that it was compromised in any way 
until it came back. So I am being very patient with my recovery because I know that it is a roller coaster. I know that, you know, I might have times where I'm not feeling so great and other times where I'm feeling amazing. But right now, you know, even just a couple weeks out, I feel better now after just going through such an intense treatment than I have, you know, in the past couple of years. It's so so amazing, isn't it? That how much better you feel, even though you've gone through so much. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, people, you know, I still am having to stay away from people, one, because of COVID and, and everything, and two, because, you know, obviously, it's got this brand new immune system, but... Um, I've, I've been blessed and I've had people who have been like, um, helping me with meals or, you know, bringing groceries or whatnot so I can kind of relax and, you know, everybody's just like, you look great. Like for what you just went through, you know, you wouldn't even be able to tell, you know, that I, I just went through all of this chemo and everything. If I, you know, if I didn't have a, a super shiny, bright white bald head. Sure, you know? <laughs> sure, sure. So why so, was it important for you to participate in the podcast? I really just want to just spread the awareness of it. You know, I, I, I wish that everybody who had multiple sclerosis could just get this. Like, I wish it was just a standard yes. offered right? treatment. Yeah everywhere. Like I just, I wish it was an option. I wish, you know, that when you're diagnosed with this, because, you know, one of the first things that most people are going to do, and even though my doctor, you know, a couple years ago at the hospital was like, don't Google it and freak yourself out. You know, first thing I did was hopped on Google. Well, yeah, it's a natural response. You want to know more. Yeah, exactly. And so you Google multiple sclerosis and the first thing, you know, that pops up is that it is, an in, there's no cure. It's an incurable disease. And so you get recently diagnosed and then you start doing your research and you see that. And I feel that so many people, just depending on maybe how they handle things, they can either take it and be like, you know what, I'm going to be okay. Or it can just be so devastating to them if they don't have a support group or maybe emotionally or mentally just not um, in a good place. And they can see that and just immediately lose hope. Mm -hmm. And so for this treatment to just be so incredibly filled with hope for people with MS, but for it to not be offered just generally, it's it's so aggravating, you know, and it's so aggravating that you have to become a self-advocate and you have to fight for it to be able to to get this done. When I truly believe, like at this point in time, it's been it's been done for so many years now, at least it has been in Mexico, that it should just be offered, you know, across the board in the United States, in Canada, you know, everywhere. And so just to be able to bring awareness that there is this treatment out there, you know, it takes work, it takes dedication, it takes a support system, and it doesn't even necessarily have to be a support system of people you personally know, because there are so many of us who 
have had this done who will support anybody who is even questioning it. Like, Indeed, yeah. You know, it's it's something that is just so incredible. And if I had kind of known about it, you know, immediately after our diagnosis, before I had even started doing those injections, before I'd even started doing Ocrevus, I really would have just probably dove straight in and and gotten HSCT if I had known about it, like right off the bat, like if it was an option. I feel the same way. Yeah, absolutely. So I really just want to spread more awareness. And, you know, I do have like a, I have my own personal Facebook page, but then I did make one um, kind of like a blog and documented, you know, my HSCT journey on there. Um, I put a lot on there. I did leave out, you know, some parts because Everybody handles the chemo differently. I unfortunately was very sensitive to it, so I did have a hard time. A lot of people kind of like joked about it and they were just like, you know what, there's always got to be one person who takes one for the team. So thank you (laughs) for being that person. (laughs) Because when I was there, I did, I got really sick. Um, I ended up needing a little bit of extra care and I, I needed blood transfusions. And so it was a little rough, well, but, but I you made know, it I, I mean, yeah, exactly. And you are supported because that's their role at the clinic, right? Is to mm-hmm. help you get through it. But I mean, I didn't have complications with the chemo per se, but I did need transfusions. Like I received, I think two bags of platelets and one of hemoglobin. So that's yeah. not unusual, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely, you know, they, I feel like they are just so prepared, you know, and at least my experience with, with Clinica Ruiz, like they just seemed like they were prepared for, you know, anything to happen. You know, they, um, they just kind of, they've got it together there. And I'm sure that, you know, the, the hospital, you know, that is doing this in Russia, you know, I'm sure they're the same way. And, you know, you know, the other places that are doing this, I'm sure have their own, you know, protocol and for the, all of the what ifs, but, um, yeah, even though I had a harder time, you know, with my experience, I still got through it. And I, I wouldn't change it. You know, I, I feel so different, you know, and just really positive. You know, I, I think the hardest part, honestly, has been not having that same kind of care that I received in, you know, in the clinic upon coming home. You know, that's just been the hardest part, but I'm working kind of in a new direction and I've, I've gotten some leads on, uh, some doctors that I have been told are great for patients who have had HSCT in my area. So I'm, you know, going to be giving them a call and, and seeing about transferring and stuff and, you know, just trying to get a really good team of doctors who are, you know, there for, for me to help me live the best quality of life and that I can, you know, Mm. after this, this treatment and just with moving forward with everything. So I hope you find them. 
Yes, me too. I feel I feel pretty positive that I will. Um, I've had a lot of uh, I've heard a lot of good things about a doctor that I'm going to be calling. So I've got my fingers crossed that you know he's able to take new patients on, and I'm able to get in, and you know just really have good care, you know, moving forward um, with everything. But, you know, once you get this treatment done, you really just have to be strong enough to know that you have to take care of yourself. Like it's on you, you know, you have to be diligent about, you know, eating the right foods and getting your exercise. And I feel like a positive mindset is, is everything with this. Um, you know, there's going to be hard days and I'm, I am definitely not always a hundred percent positive. I've had my breakdowns and, you know, my emotional days and stuff since coming back. And, but really overall, I just, um, am staying very hopeful that this is, that this has worked and, you know, that I am going to get a great future because I went ahead and, pursued this, you know, even though it seemed like the odds were kind of stacked against me there for a little bit. I'm, I'm just really glad I went through with it. Sure. Um, So much to be gained. Yes. But it sounds like positivity was underlying your journey throughout. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It, it definitely helped get me through, you know, the, the hard parts because it was just like, I've come this far, I'm not giving up, I can do this, I've got, you know, a support system just within the clinic, Um, that was probably my favorite part of the whole journey, Um, there was quite a lot of us there together, I think there was like 20 patients, it was broken up into smaller groups, but we still all connected and we all connected really well and just being able to go through that treatment um, and have other people, you know, to kind of lean on during, you know, was amazing. And like, even now, you know, I'm, we're still keeping in touch and we're still asking how each other's doing and giving hints and helpful tips and like recipe ideas. And, Oh yeah. That's like a new extended family. Yeah, absolutely. Like there's the term and I'm sure that you, you have heard it and use it too, but like your STEMI siblings, Mm -hmm. like once you go through this, like you do, you become a family and it's amazing. And so I am so excited to not only be able to share all of my positive stuff that happens with them, but like you just become overjoyed and just so full of emotion for everybody, you know, when they're like, I stood up today without assistance, you know, for somebody who's been wheelchair bound or, you know, I was able to do this today or, you know, whatever it may be, like you just are so overwhelmed with so much joy for, you know, other people with MS who have had this treatment and who are getting parts of their life back that it just helps to continue the positivity, like within yourself, like, you know, this is, this is happening. Like we're getting, we're getting these things back. Like, you know, it might be slow. Some others get stuff back really quickly, but it's just, it's incredible. It is an abundance of joy. Yeah, it is. It's, it's amazing. So 
that's been a huge part of helping me stay positive too is just you know everybody else's experience and just seeing everybody's you know positive results and stuff and sure it's it's amazing so what about a superpower you gained from your experience with HSCT? Hmm, a superpower. I <laughs> I almost feel like invincible. Like I know that I am very much realistically not invincible. Sure, like, but as much you as know. you've been through and had to advocate <laughs> for and and fight for. Exactly. Like I was in a situation, you know, just kind of right before my diagnosis where I was just in a really dark place and I was really not a positive person. Um, I was very void of hope. I was very depressed. I was just going through so much. And then I was in the midst of that storm and that season in itself, I was diagnosed with MS. And so it really just is incredible for me when I look back and I see how I was, you know, just a few years ago to how I am now, because if somebody had told me when I was at my lowest point, you know what, you're about to find out you have MS and then you are going to go through a super intense treatment and you're going to be fine. I would have been like, oh, yeah, right. right. There's no way. <laughs> Absolutely not. There is no way. There's no way I could handle that, you know. And so now that I've gone through all that I have just in my personal life and then with my journey, my own journey of MS in itself, and then my journey of HSCT, like, I just kind of have this, like, feeling of, of, like, you know what, I can kind of conquer anything that is thrown my way, and I love that I have that internal just strength and peace about that, like, you know what, if, if something else happens, like, I can do it, like, I, I know without a doubt I'll be able to get through it. Good for you. Thank you. Well, not everyone can find that, right? And and it is such yes. a transformational experience. And like you've said in, earlier in the conversation, maybe not even having taken it for granted, but not recognizing kind of what you lost. And then suddenly yeah. being able to do something again and like finding such new appreciation. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It, you know, it's definitely been an eye opener, you know, even at the beginning with my diagnosis, like when I had lost, um, you know, really the use of my legs there for a little bit, you know, just I realized how I took simple things for granted, like being able to walk up a set of steps. Like you just don't, you just don't think about those things. And you don't think when you're young, you know, I just turned 33. I actually turned 33 while I was at the clinic. And oh, wow. So Double birthday. Yes. So I'm, you know, relatively young and never in a million years did I think, you know, that shortly after turning 30, you know, I would, I would be faced with such medical, you know, issues. Like I just, I never thought it like I, I just had no idea. And so you really, you get a, a 
great sense of appreciation for so many different things, you know, and it's, it's one of those things where you just, you count your blessings and you just, you stay very grateful, um, you know, for, for the things that you are able to start doing again, or the things that, you know, you're still able to do, um, that, you know, others cannot. And, it just, it definitely changes you, absolutely. Like, the diagnosis of MS, I feel, changes you anyway. It's very sad, and it, it's heartbreaking for me because I'm on other groups, you know, on Facebook and stuff for people with MS, and you just see people who are so, like, lost and just so, they've just given up, and it just, it's heartbreaking yes, because... Yes. You know, you just, you don't want that for them. You know, you just, you just want them to have, you know, the best treatment and the best care. And everyone deserves that. Yeah. Yeah. So it, uh, it, it changes you like MS changes you. And then now that I've gone through this treatment, like HSCT has changed me. Like I just, I feel like as a person, it is, it's definitely made me grow and it's given me, you know, a, a huge sense of like just compassion and, um, even more so than I was before, just more compassion and, you know, empathy towards others and just really just this desire to kind of help all, all the people that I can, you Mm -hmm. know, just either by sharing my story or, you know, just being there to talk to whoever might need to have somebody to talk to. That's beautiful. You know, whether it's about like MS or just life in general, you know, just, just being able to be there for people. It's definitely one of those things like where you, you look back on where you started and then you see where you're at and you're like, you know what, like this maybe would be nice if things had happened a different way, sure. you know, to to reach the sense of of itself and like where I'm at. But you know, I, I I most definitely appreciate the journey that I have been on, and I'm really excited and looking forward to seeing you know where it's going to lead me and where it's going to take me, and and hopefully, you know, my goal is that it leads me to helping others, you know, in some way, shape or form. Like, so that's where I'm at right now with, with everything. And I'm only only being so, and I'm, it's incredible. So I'm like, you know what, if this is where I'm at now, like, yes, I, I am still making sure to remind myself all the time of that roller coaster. And I'm like, you know what, very possible that I could have bad days, you know, but I just am staying very, very hopeful, very positive that, you know, there are going to be things that I'm going to be doing again that I've missed, like running. Like that's that's kind of been one of my goals. I think everybody has like a, a one major maybe set goal that they have in mind, like what is something that you could get back or what's something that you can do again. And mine is running. Very something that I think a lot of people just would be like, you know, it's just running. But when you lose that ability, it might be like a simple goal to somebody who can just very easily take off and like run down the street. But when you are no longer able to do that, like 
that's that's my goal right now. I'm like, I just want to be able to run. Like, I have not been able to run in a couple of years now. So, like, that's sure. my thing. Like, well, and having come like, from CrossFit and all of those physical, yeah. like, strenuous yeah. activities. Oh, yeah. Like, and eventually definitely CrossFit, too, I think I'd like to get back into. Maybe not, maybe not too intense, but I would love to just be able to get back to, you know, doing exercise and, you know, it was, it was just something that I was finding for myself and I was, you know, really starting to feel good about myself and, you know, building strength and seeing my body change, like with muscle tone and stuff. And of course I've kind of since lost all of that. Um, so it's, it's going to be starting kind of from the ground up, you know, with everything. Um, but I, I just am really looking forward to it. And I know it's going to take a lot of hard work, but I am, I'm really hopeful and really excited about it. And that's what matters, right? Mm-hmm, exactly. So what are you grateful for about your experience with HSCT that maybe has gone unspoken? I am just really grateful for the just the procedure, just the treatment itself. I mean, you know, you have to think about how much dedication and knowledge and work it would take to to even figure that out it's insane it's it's amazing what medicine can do you know so i just am so grateful for just the treatment itself that you know these doctors have have worked and put together you know, something that is just changing lives and really I I say saving lives because it is, you know, it's it's saving Absolutely. It's saving people's lives and so I'm just so grateful for the medicine itself. Um I'm grateful for the friendships that I made with the people that I was in treatment with. I just there's so much honestly to be grateful for. Like the list is endless. Like you know, everything that I have gotten back as far as the abilities that I have lost, like, I'm just so grateful for all of those. There there really is just a million and one things, like, you can go on and on and on about, you know, what you're grateful for, like, and it's, it really just boils down to, like, just just being super grateful that there were people who had so much compassion in themselves that they wanted to help others, you know, with this disease and, and not just MS, you know, they use it for other autoimmune diseases as well. So it's, you know, it's just incredible. It is really incredible to think about figuring out how to reset the immune system and truly how simple HSCT is like when you boil it all down. Yeah. It just blows my mind because it's like, how is this and why is this not available everywhere? Like, just mm. why? That I is, just don't understand it. <laughs> that is the question of the century. Yeah. you know, or at least you, the 40, last 40 years. Yeah. It's, it's so frustrating. For me, um, I have a... I had a first cousin, um, and he had MS, and so he was diagnosed, you know, years and years ago before there were really treatments, and um, he actually passed away this year, you know, a few months before I left for treatment, but... Oh, wow. It, 
it just, it's just heartbreaking because it's like, you know, he had to suffer and so many people with MS, they are, they just, they're suffering. They're just living these lives where they have no hope. You know, they're on, they've tried probably, you know, a handful or more of different medications. And not only are they taking like, you know, different DMDs or DMTs, but they're also on all of these other medications to help with the side effects of the DMDs. Mm -hmm. Like it just is like antibiotics for all the infections they pick up because the DMDs suppress the immune system. Yeah. It's just so disheartening. It's like, I, you know, it's, it's chemotherapy and it's, you know, Phil Grassdrum shots and it's harvesting of your stem cells and transplant and then more chemo and then, you know, the infusion of rituximab. And it's, you know, I'm just like, it's offered for people with cancer, you know, so why can't it also be offered for people with autoimmune diseases as well? Like what is holding everybody back from allowing people with an autoimmune disease to get the same treatment as somebody with, with cancer? And for a person with cancer, you know, they go into remission, but it's like if they can get that, why can't somebody with an autoimmune disease also get it as well? Like what's holding, what's holding it back from being accessible and available to people with autoimmune diseases as well when it's able to be done in cancer centers all over the world for people with cancer. And it may not be the exact same protocol, but, you know, they have the medications. The more you can open the doors for people to have yeah. this tr- to have access to this option to treat their autoimmune disease the more we can track exactly. and follow and treat and then research and publish and so yeah oh, hopefully yeah. 5 years from now everyone will have access i hope so that would just be incredible as if this just opens up you know everywhere because there's so many people who could just really benefit from it. And, you know, there are things that that have to, that stop them from it. You know, a lot of it is financing and it is just so discouraging to see people who have this treatment, you know, and it's just out of reach and it's because of the cost, you know, the the financial costs and, you know, because they would have to leave the country or whatnot to get it done. And it's, you know, it's heartbreaking. Like, I just wish everybody could just get it done, you know. Well, thank you for your advocacy and for your continued positivity. Oh, yes, you are very welcome. Certainly shares and spreads hope, which is very helpful for people. Thank you. Yes. I hope that I can, you know, try and be a little bit of a light, you know, for some people who might be kind of sitting in the darkness of MS. You know, it's it's a disease that nobody asks for. And, you know, it, it takes a strong, it takes a strong person to, to live with it. And, you know, I love the term, you know, MS warriors, because, you know, we are living oh, yeah. with this. We are, we are absolutely a hundred percent warriors, even on our worst days, even if we're crying and we're saying that we can't do this, you know, we're still pushing through. We're just so much stronger than we give ourselves credit for because this is a disease that, 
you know, it's it's our own because nobody's is the same. You know, we might have similar symptoms with other people, but everybody's MS is their own. And so we're all fighting our own battles. And I just, I, I love, you know, the term warrior because anybody dealing with this absolutely is one, even on their hardest days when they don't feel strong at all. Like you are still such a warrior because oh, you're yeah. still living with it and you're still getting through it and battling on. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Warrior strong. Thank you. So are you. Mom, thank you for sharing your story. It's been such a pleasure to meet you. And thank you for your continued advocacy and support. Welcome. Absolutely welcome. But be sure to support yourself through this recovery and all the best to you in health and wellness. Thank you so much. And to you as well. Be sure to visit hsctwarriorspodcast.com where you can find notes from today's episode, submit ideas or feedback, and connect with resources of the HSCT Warriors Incorporated nonprofit. As always, special thanks to musical genius Billy Allen Salzer for sharing his superpowers to create the soundtrack, edit, and produce the audio to make this podcast possible. You can find us both when you subscribe on SoundCloud iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find your podcasts. It's been so great to connect with warriors worldwide, and we would love to hear from you about how the podcast has helped your journey with autoimmune disease. Take a moment to connect with us on Instagram or share this episode with someone you know that would enjoy listening. In the meantime, we hope you'll tune in next Wednesday for another episode highlighting another HSCT warrior. Until then... Be a snowflake and embrace your superpowers. Be kind. Be well. John Stansberry Koenig and the producers disclaim medical influence and responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained in the podcast. If you think you have a medical problem, please contact a licensed physician.